Hi, Des. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing fine, thank you. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for asking. Now, Good. before we get into the music and the album, um, the last couple of years have been quite eventful for yourself and for your family. How are you? Just simply uh, mentally, physically, how are you? Mentally, on the top of my game, physically, absolutely ready to kill. <laughs> uh, that's greater. That's greater. Yeah. Um, yeah. And thank and thank you for asking. So, um, you know, maybe your your viewers or don't don't know uh, what happened so we can get into that, you know. Well, we don't have to go in too deep because I heard you talk quite a bit of it. But you, uh, I think your wife beat cancer. I think you uh, attracted COVID and was uh, quite sick for a long time. I think uh, you had to move house uh, shortly because of the fires that were happening. So a lot of things going on. And the funny thing is then you have uh, Cold Chamber is back now. You have Devil Driver. You're... Uh, um, You're doing management for a band. So, so this energy, this drive, this passion, where does that come from? Did you always have that? I did. I suffer from ADD and ADHD for my whole life. Uh, I sleep maybe four or five hours a night. It okay. drove my mom insane. It drives my wife crazy. Uh, I can multitask like nobody's business. <laughs> like right now I'm running four companies uh, that are major companies. Yeah. Uh, and I have plenty of time for myself and my, my home life in the middle of that. So I keep very strict hours. Uh, when I manage, I'm in the office at 5 a.m. Uh, I'm working till 11 p.m. Um, I just keep, I keep very strict hours. And I think uh, I'm also very organized so I can multitask, you know, probably not a lot like most people in the world. And um, yeah, that, that's it. So I think the drive comes and, uh, from passion, from doing something that I love. Right. And and I think uh, you should always well, you should never do things you don't like. Right. So I really enjoy management. Um, I enjoy the backside of the business. I always have. And I've been in it almost 30 years. So I understand it. Mm. I'm part accountant, part attorney, part A&R. I mean, I know the business. Uh, but then again, as an artist as well, my my creative moments come later on at night. So, you know, between eight, nine, 10, 11 o'clock. That's when those creative moments come. And often business is, is far done by that point. Um, sure. If it's not, it's because I have a band on the road. There's trouble. There's something happening. So, yeah, I just I manage my time. And I think, you know, uh, I think that's very important. You know, so my alarm will go off at 4.15, 4.30 a.m. every morning. I'm up with the sun. Uh, I hit emails. I'm in the gym for a half an hour, checking emails, taking calls, get something to eat and back in the office. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So, almost sounds like uh, the the itinerary of a of an athlete, kind of very structured and and doing things that you do. Well, for for when you have ADHD or ADD, especially if you have a kid, if you're if you're watching this and your kid has ADD and you're having a hard time dealing with them, do what my parents did. They put me on a schedule. So that's why, as a musician, I work best is because on a tour bus, it's the tour bus arrives at eleven o'clock. We load in at twelve. Sound check is at three. You're on stage at ten. You know what I mean? There's there's you know, there's a, a a queue up in the bus that you can see what your whole day is. So here at the house, there's the same for me on a big whiteboard that says alarm at this time. You know, this is what I'm doing so I can accomplish my goals, have some time for my family as well. Um, but make sure that I'm there for my artists. And when we started this company, you know, the one thing that we said was, how do we want to be different? And it's like, 
I want to be in the office five hours before anybody else. Mm-hmm. And most managers are in the office, you know, get a hold of them between nine and 10 o'clock or they're out on their boat on Wednesdays. And it's like, no, man, you, you, you know, you can't do that. I mean, I understand taking a break in December or early January, but all the rest of the months of the year, you should be firing off for your clients. And that's why, that's why we built up, you know, ginger in the United States, uh, taken on cradle. We handle Exodus, the 69 eyes, Wednesday, 13. We have a big roster, coal chamber, devil driver. I could go on for, for a long time. Yeah, and I think the advantage, as you mentioned, is that you've been in all of the seats that are possible. You've been the artist, you've been the manager, now you've been, you've, you know the ins and outs. So what is one yeah. thing you can share? One thing that, that perhaps people don't realize about the music business. Is there one thing you can share? That they don't realize about the music yeah, the, industry? The, the, or there's the, some, some misconception that people might have about what it entails to be in the music business. Uh you know, when we talk about the music business, we talk about a broad spectrum, right? And and I think, you know, so we're obviously when I'm speaking, I'm not speaking about pop music. Oh, sure, sure. Right. Okay. So I'm speaking about underground, right? So when I talk, I talk sure. about heavy metal, punk rock, psychobilly, goth, right? So we're talking about that. Like, yeah. don't get into that for the money. Get into that because you have passion. Get into that because you want to sleep on the floor of a van. You want to trade top ramen and you want to see if you have one piece of pizza to eat a day. And go out and, and 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 tour. Like I don't think people understand that any underground art, whether it be uh, painting, sculpting, uh, jazz, blues, any underground art, uh, don't chase that for monetary value, monetary gain. Chase that because you have passion and you love it. Otherwise, you're getting into it for the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You know, myself, uh, just because I was smart with my money from the beginning of my career. I mean, uh, you know, I, I invested uh, a, a lot of money in the beginning of my career uh, in stocks, et cetera. I could have walked away from music and the business monetarily a long time ago and just, I guess, I guess sat by the pool. I don't know. But my grandfather, when he was 52, retired and he died four months later. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that's not happening with me. I'm going to work. I'm going to work as long as I can. Now, musically, I don't know from time to time, what's my last record and not. I don't know when I'm going to take a slow walk. I certainly don't want to be here when it doesn't sound good, look good, et cetera, which right now that's not the case. So, mm-hmm. but I am cognizant of these things. And so, yeah, one thing to tell somebody about the music industry is, yeah, if you're going to get in it, you're going to get into underground art, do it for the right reasons and come with heart and come with uh, guts and come with fucking balls or don't come at all. Mm-hmm. Great advice, I think. Um, with that idea, then, the, the reason why you make music, if we take uh, dealing with demons, then, and obviously it's a, it's a big endeavor doing a double album and having all that planned even before everything happened in the world with COVID. Uh, what was the reasoning behind taking on such a challenge? I think two, I think twofold. I think two reasons. One was the, we had an abundance of material that was fucking fantastic. Secondly, there's things you want to do before you take a slow walk into the sunset. And uh, one was a cover record, which we did with the outlaw outlaws till the end. Uh, And two is a double record. And I kept saying the bands that choose off a double record, and you probably agree with me. Most of the time, the second half is all B sides, leftovers, it doesn't hit the mark. So actually three reasons. One, we had the material. Two, 
I want to do a double record before I take a walk. Three, the material was exceptional. To the point where we left probably, I don't know, nine to 15 songs on the cutting room floor. And I said to them, I never want to see these riffs again. And you'll never see these vocals again. Don't ever bring them back. But that was rough in in itself because there's probably six, seven tracks that could have made another EP there. You know, mm. um, but I think we, we dwindled it down to, to where it's at. And it was essential for me that these records be a concept record where you listen to volume one, volume two together, which means they cannot be long. My favorite records are 30 minutes to 38 minutes. Any longer is trudging along, uh, <laughs> you know. And so the, I think, you know, both of these records are 36, 38 minutes, whatever they are. They're meant to be listened to together. And I knew we had a precise, concise strike when it came to all of the, the songs that we had. So double record it is. Let's go. I've heard you talk about the difficulties when it came to sequencing. And I can imagine with a double album, that's going to be tough, especially if we want to have that kind of cohesive whole and have a, have a line through it. So what was kind of the, and even with your, what you mentioned, 15 um, songs didn't make it. So what was the criteria in a way for, for, for how you wanted to build this story and kind of tell this, tell, kind of this narrative? Criteria was simple. Every single song is going on the record. So okay. even the ones that we threw to the wayside, record, hit them as though every single song is going on this record. Do not think of anything as less value, higher value. Go at it. And that's what we did. That's what made it easy. And then as far as sequencing went, I'm very democratic in this band. I mean, I know there's a... Uh, a line of questioning where I'm, you know, am I the leader? Of course, I'm the captain here. I'm driving the ship. Sure. But it's, you know, you will get thrown the fuck overboard in a mutiny very quickly if you're not democratic. Watch any pirate movie. <laughs> and uh, so so I let the guys sequence it. So they right. sequenced the record. Now, the one change that I had was actually I changed three times, uh, which God bless Alan Duche, who mastered the record. He's mastered some of the biggest records in history. Uh, I, I changed the sequence three different times on volume two. So at first the record was opening with mantra. Then it was opening with bloodbath. And I kept listening, kept listening. And it just wasn't falling together for me. Now it opens uh, with, I have no pity. And I was like, now this is the record. So uh, other th other than that, the band chose the sequencing. And then the big question was the song wishing, which is on volume one which actually is clean vocals. Uh, I grew up on punk rock and psychobilly and goth way before heavy metal. So this is my kind of tribute to Sisters of Mercy and Bauhaus, okay. et cetera. And the big question was, where is that track going to go? What, you know, where are we putting that track on volume one or volume two? And when it came to like, let's put that on volume one, then volume two sequenced itself very easily, very easily, you know. And is it fair because this is what... It, it, Do they do both parts to you uh, have different characters in that sense? I think they do. I mean, I just said this in a, in a, in a prior interview is that volume one, lyrically, I'm speaking a lot to myself, hmm. trying to let people know that like what I've been through, you've probably been through. So this is how I dealt with it. I think volume two, I'm speaking a lot to others uh, in and around my life. Okay. Um, except the opening track, I have no pity is actually for myself or anybody else who steps in the shit more than three times. <laughs> right, I have no pity. You can call me once and I'll be like, bro, this is how you deal with it. Call me twice, bro. I told you how to deal with it. Now this is how you deal with it. 
You call me a third time. I'm like, fucking don't call me. You keep stepping in your own shit. I have no pity. And that's a line I actually say all the time. It's like, fuck, bro, I have no pity for you. You need to wake up. You need to, you know, whatever it is, I'm having that in conversation. And one day I just wrote it down on my phone because I say it all the time. <laughs> so so well, there you go. Yeah, this is kind of what I was alluding to with, with the energy. And I watch a lot of sports, but this this dog mentality in a way to, to, to obviously you're going to help your friends uh, if you can, but you're not going to pity him. This, this, this kind of dog mentality, is, is that important to have when, when you're as, as busy, not only as busy, but as, as, as engaged as you are? Dog mentality. Yeah. This, dog. This, this, this is kind of, this is a kind of a sports term. They, they use it like somebody's really gritty. It was, it was really, isn't afraid to get his hands dirty and all that <laughs> stuff. I am, uh first of all i'm italian i'm a freemason you don't get it any straighter than from me mm. so anything in business anything in personal anything in my personal life well you're gonna get it real straight with me there's no bullshit there's no run around it all comes out extremely straight and if that is a i guess dog mentality then that's what that is i'm always here for my friends always here for my family that's part of my makeup that's part of my character but there are times when i'll be like bro you haven't learned the lesson. You haven't learned the lesson. You haven't learned the lesson. Now you have to fall off the cliff. When you're down at the bottom, feel free to call me again. But you're going to need to listen to me in order to climb back up. And if you don't want to listen, maybe we got to take a break for a couple months as friends. Get your shit together, then call me. Because I can't be dragged down by that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I've been, I, 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 I've been known to like really be here for my friends or my band members or, or anybody in business. I mean, I'm a, I'm a loyal motherfucker. I actually had another manager in the industry that I look up to. Actually, uh, I, I really look up to. He, he's, he's a great guy. He's older than me. Um, he manages some big bands. And he actually said to me one day in a long conversation, you know, Des, the problem with you, and I went, oh, fuck, right, is, you, is your heart. Your heart's going to get you in trouble in this business, right? And I said, you know, I said to him, you know, his name is Steve. I said, Steve, what do you mean by that? He goes, bro, you got such a big heart. Like, you need to learn to, you know, harden up a little. Your heart is going to get you in trouble in the music business. And mm -hmm. I was like, no, man, I'm not going to fucking do that. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay true to who I am. I'm going to keep my heart intact. So whatever you see as weakness, it's not. It's just that I'm a giving, loving type charitable individual and if anyone comes along and takes advantage of that i believe in karma and they'll be the one that's fucked but i'm not going to change myself make myself an asshole make mm -hmm. myself uh not have the humble grateful appreciative attitude that i have and that i come with in every conversation i have in personal or business you know because you think that my heart is going to get me fucking in trouble one day like <laughs> yeah so i mean look uh, it's a, this is a rough industry sure. and don't get me wrong. If you fuck with me, my business, my family, like I have a very sharp knife for you, but I don't really have to use those things because I'm, I'm so, uh, I'm so legit at the way I come at people or with people working with them that they just get it. I'm poignant. I'm to the point. Let's get down to business. And yeah, yeah, to me, I don't, I don't know. If, I think it's a good example, but the, the fact that John uh, Miller is back in the band and then you guys reconnected is a beautiful example of what you've just mentioned. I think. Yeah. Look, I mean, 
I mean, I've only had a few players come and go. I mean, even Metallica's had players come and go. You <laughs> sure. know? And so when you, when you talk about a guy coming back after 12 years of being gone, right, you talk about a five-hour conversation with him where, and I don't mind saying it, at the end, him and I were both in tears. Like, I was very close with John Miller. He's A, a great person, B, a fucking beast on stage. I must have had five bass players try to fill his spot while he was gone. Not fucking one of them came close. Plus, John was a primary writer on all the first four or five big, huge records in the beginning right. of the career. Having him back on stage and him back writing for Devil Driver, I have no idea what's going to happen. But I can fucking tell you this, that the next records that are coming are going to be fucking Slaughterhouse. That's like very, They're going awesome to be incredible. Uh, I had a, you know an interview yesterday. And... Germans, I respect them. They can be very hard when it comes to metal. And the German press, very hard on metal bands. And this guy said to me very plainly, Dad has been following their career for a long time. I'm not going to fucking shove any shit in your face, but I'm going to tell you right now, I think Dealing With Demons 2 is the best record you guys ever brought. And if you keep doing this, I want to see what happens in the next fucking two, three, four records. That made me over-the-top appreciative, man. I mean, I just told him right there, right then and there, how fucking grateful I was for that uh, for that observation. Really, so yeah. Did, did a lot of those thoughts cross your mind as you were dealing with your your health struggles and stuff? Because I can imagine being twenty years in Devil Driver and being even longer in the music business and having done all the things that you've done. Uh, do you, do you reflect? Uh, did you reflect quite a bit about kind of the the yeah, what, what, the, the music that you've made and the joy that, that you've brought to people. Is, is that something you, you contemplate ever? You know, I tend not to look back, mm. but we just finished editing and, and done with my autobiography. Okay. So it's coming in between, between June and August. It's coming this year on Rare Bird Books, which is a massive book company. It's a two-book deal, my youth through Coal Chamber and then the Devil Driver years. Okay. First book is done now. So I had to look back. I tend mm. to not look back. There's that old saying, if you don't know where you come from, you don't know where you're going. That's fucking bullshit. If you wake up every day looking back, there's no way you can live in the present. And there's fucking no way you can go forward. I don't care. So I disagree with that, that sentence. So, yes, I did look back. And for those maybe listening, meeting me right here for the first time and not familiar uh, I was on my deathbed. I was dying from COVID. And uh, my wife, it's hard to talk about. And my yeah. wife was calling my friends, calling Cole Chamber, calling my band, calling everybody to said, hey, you better get on the phone with Des. The EMTs were just here. His heart is ready to explode. And you guys all need to say, say your piece and say whatever you need to say and say it now. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I laid there retrospectively looking back on my life because I was having to force to live down in my living room. I couldn't even go up my stairs. I couldn't walk across the street to get my mail without sitting down for 20 minutes. I mean, it fucking, you know, almost took my life. And so, but I, I had to look forward. Like as soon as I started, Oh man, I had such a, I had a good run. I had a good life. If this is it for me, I love you. Don't sell my 78 Cadillac from the movie casino bury me in this fucking cemetery, 
give me a Masonic funeral. I mean, all these things. I probably had about a half hour of that and said, fuck this. That's the exact thought process that'll kill you. So my wife said, what will help you live through this? And I said, I want to make one more song. I want to sing one more song. I want to play on stage for one more song. Not one more tour, not one more album. One more song, one more song on stage. And uh, that kept me going. That And I wrote a shit load of lyrics. Every single day I was writing. So like, I'm ready now to record the next record. I'm ready. I'm, 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 I'm ready. And I've heard riffs already from Mike, riffs already from uh, John Miller. And it's, it's coming. It's going to be fucking furious. So I know we're talking about a record that's dropping May 12th, volume two, the double disc. But I'm already looking forward. I can't, I can't go back right now. I can imagine because obviously the album was finished uh, quite a bit ago and you kind of had to sit on it. And I can imagine you you're mentally, you're, you're already a little bit uh, further ahead. But w this is kind of a mean question then, but you, you mentioned just one song that you, that I want to perform one song live again. Uh, if, if, if you only had one song, what, what would it be that you would perform live? Is real music dying? What even is real music and who are we to judge that? Well, my father is a lifelong musician and together we've been making music for over a decade. In our new podcast, we dare to ask the urgent, the weird and the deep questions. And we have a lot of wild stories to tell. No matter what genres you enjoy, whether you're a musician, a producer or a listener, we invite you to discover unconventional perspectives on music. So tune in. And go follow Mad Makings of Music wherever you listen to podcasts. Maybe the song that made me who I am, which is Loco. So I didn't run from Cold Chamber because fucking new metal was dying a horrible death, which it was. I ran because they were... They had their shit fucked up and I had a family at home with two kids. And mm. I couldn't deal with it anymore. Now they're all family men, married kids, got their shit together. They checked on me daily when I had COVID. Like literally, bro, are you alive? I'm alive today. Are you alive? I'm alive today. It took me 16 months to be able to get on a treadmill and walk one mile. Okay. I was done. So yeah, I don't, I don't, I could, I don't even really blink. Loco would be the song. I mean, I, it's fucking what made me, and it was dedicated to the Southgate crew uh, in L.A., which is fucking dangerous and a dangerous crew that used to come to our shows, and uh, obviously a Hispanic crew. Um, Meeks, you know, Hispanic roots. His father is the one who put up the fucking first five hundred dollars for our demo. Obviously Hispanic, you know. So lo it'd be Loco, man. It'd be local, man. Plus, I was raised in San Juan Capistrano. I was the only fucking white kid in my elementary school. And I literally did live across the tracks and had to fight for my fucking lunch money. So Loco would be it. Fair enough. Makes sense. Um, finally, then, because you mentioned having to move forward and then you alluded to it with uh, the reference to your grandfather, who kind of after he retired, he kind of uh, yeah came to a standstill. So this notion of time and, and using your time well to, to take uh, life to its limits in a way. 
um the way i hear you speak now there's so much energy and passion for what is about to come uh but what how do you think about time these days well what 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 does the concept of time mean to you uh i mean if blood is life is out right now on youtube and that's the chorus time it waits for no one right time time it's for the taking time it waits for no one you know those people like oh i've always wanted to uh you know whatever i've always wanted i've always wanted to try spaghetti <laughs> get the fuck up and go try spaghetti today for lunch right like like you could step off the fucking curb today and get hit by the fucking milk truck sure you know so don't waste fucking time i don't waste any time i don't ever sit around i'm either painting sculpting writing or working on my oracle management or sun cult which is in zoomies and tillies all in the malls uh or i'm day trading or i've got comp three computers up in a big screen i'm day trading crypto like i'm okay. always always going i get tremendously bored so i have a pool i have a beautiful pool with waterfalls in the backyard if i can sit back there for 20 minutes on a sunday with my eyes closed it's a fucking miracle <laughs> Cause I'd rather have paintbrushes in my hand. I'd rather have a pen in my hand. I'd rather have a computer in my hand working. Uh, I, I love building businesses. It's one of the reasons I had no problem leaving Cole Chamber, starting Devil Driver from scratch, which, which right. I did. I'd love to build businesses and watch them come to fruition. Like there's just something so gratifying about saying, I've got an idea. And next thing you know, you take a step, you take a step, you take a step. And now it's a reality. Like there's nothing more satisfying than that in life. You know, either it's putting back together a relationship with John Miller, building a management company, what have you. I believe in the build and never the tear down. So, so yeah, that's, that's just part of my makeup, you know? Right. And I think um, people look, look upon ADD or ADHD kind of as a, uh, 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 a disease, right? Like you're always trying to give the kids a fucking pill for it. And, you know, right. it's a fucking superpower, man. I was going to say. It's a superpower. And if you allow your kid to get off those meds and allow him to be him, it's a fucking superpower. He may not sit still in math class and it may not get with him now in sixth grade, but like later on in life, like now, I'm a fucking mathematician because I run so many businesses, right? So things come to kids or, or or adults with ADD, ADHD, a little bit different. So yeah, when you say when you you know when you ask a question like that, it's like I need to keep busy all the time, man, like all the time, or I'm or I'm not a happy individual, you know, you know. So if I'm sitting on the couch more than 15 minutes, I'm like fuck, I'll go mow the lawn. I mean, I can't, I can't, Fair enough. I can't, well, I can't, I can't do it. You know what I'm saying? I have one more thought because uh, you mentioned yeah, kind of uh, you mentioned kind of the thrill of thinking of an idea, but thinking of a business idea or something, and then and seeing it uh, uh, through and and to fruition. In through the depths, there, there's this sense of kind of manifesting words or manifesting thoughts. And then if you ask, uh, I, I had to think of self-fulfilling prophecies. If you think about it often enough, it will come true. So so do you see an overlap there or, or am I just reaching? Um, 
that's like four questions in one. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it, it just sprang to my mind because you mentioned it. Kind of... First of all, let's let's work backwards, right? Let's go to the end of the question and work backwards if we can, <laughs> and then try to keep me on track. Okay. okay. But, but whatever I, kind of I suffer from ADD, try to keep. Yeah, because I suffer from ADHD, ADHD. Try to keep me on track. Let's let's work with the the word manifest. Okay. Mm -hmm. So. And again, I'm not an organized religion guy, but I believe in prayer, right? And I believe in chanting. I believe in mantras. I follow Sadhguru. I, I, mm -hmm. I, I believe in mantra. I believe in chanting. I believe in, in thinking things into existence is absolutely 100% true. And if you go down the route of my life is so miserable, it's so miserable, I can't get out of this, I can't, because you don't see clear, then your life is going to go down. So manifesting is a huge thing. Um the beginning of the question, right? Repeat the very beginning. Well, I, I was wondering if if there was an overlap between kind of that idea of right. manifesting things and then kind right. of the way you approach business in, in those uh, in that area with those of, uh, or with that mentality and and with the song through the depths. I just wondered if there was a overlap in, in kind of what right now. So, so, so through the depths is about the disconnection between humans and spirituality, hmm. and how in any given moment we can become the animal. So if you watch the video, it's us sitting at a kind of a feast scene, basically. And uh, there's kind of demons behind us. And those demons behind us change us into various characters. I change into a goat. One guy changed into a pig. One guy changed into a dog. Because we all have the ability to become the beast within us if we don't keep ourselves within the compass. That's a very Masonic thing. I'm a Freemason. It's a very Masonic thing. Keep yourself within the compass. Keep yourself fucking in check, right? We're here as rough stones. Let's hew ourselves into smooth stones, basically. So um, ashlars is what they're called. Rough ashlar, smooth ashlar. So so that's, a, that's through the depths is about that. The disconnection between ourselves and our higher spiritual selves. The example is when is the last time you looked up at the stars? When is the last time you you, you sat on your back and watch the sky for one hour at night. I'll bet you every single person here, 99% haven't done it in years. But our forefathers, our ancestors, that's all they did. They got up, they prayed. They got up, they had mantras. They got up, they looked at the sky. They got up, they watched the planets. They watched the cycles, right? I think that just, that's a big disconnect. We have a huge disconnect. And that's why you have war, famine, disease, people killing each other because we have disconnected from the spiritual side. And I'm not talking organized religion sure. past the collection plate. Fucking give me money. Sure. I'm talking about the connection between you and I and the ether and the universe because it speaks to us. It talks to us. It manifests around us. If we bring these things into fruition, it manifests. Um, I had a very uh, strange occurrence happen to me. And actually, this is the first time I'll talk about it. So I'll just bring it up right now. I had a very strange occurrence happen to me uh, early on in the Devil Driver career. Uh, it was around the year 2002. We were on our first tour, um, 2002, 2003. We were on our first tour with Super Joint Ritual. And it was with my original guitar player, Evan, who wrote everything, who after one tour, God bless him, decided this is not for me. Like, I, <laughs> you I quickly find out. 
yeah, I want to sit home. I've got bonsai trees at home and I've got a cat and I've got, a, you know, God bless because <laughs> he had kids and everything. So he made the right move, actually, because it's a rough mm-hmm. life. on. The- but we were going through way into Canada, like Arctic Circle kind of Canada. And we um, saw the Aurora Borealis out the window of the bus. And it must have been 1, 2 a.m. in the morning in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I told my bus driver, pull over. I said, pull over. And me and Evan got outside next to the bus and just watched this miracle of the universe. Now, if you live up, you know, if you live where you get the Borealis, it may not be a miracle to you. It's like, oh, it comes every summer and, and whatever, right? But we're sitting there in the middle of nowhere with no cars, no nothing. And I started to scream at it. And it vibrated and moved down and then went back up. And then Evan screamed at it and it vibrated down and then came back up. Then we ran the fuck into the bus and got other crew members and other people to see what we were seeing to verify that it wasn't just two guys high off great weed from Canada. (laughs) And they came out and everybody would scream. And it would vibrate and come down as if it was fucking alive. And then when I started speaking in very smooth, loving tones, it smoothed out. And I'm still to this day, I I have no fucking idea what that was. Just like I've seen paranormal shit. I've seen ghosts. I've seen a lot of paranormal stuff. I am, I'm not even going to try in my little mathematic brain to figure out what what the hell that was but i could tell you that whatever it was is connected to all of us connected to the universe connected to everything on this planet it's why if you lean up against a tree you give somebody a hug you pet a dog a cat you get electrons from them they're actually called electron donors if you walk barefoot on the ground on the grass you get you get electron donors to you and so i i have a very spiritual side um and i think it's part of the reason why i lived uh through covid and why i lived through what i lived through because i i i at one point in the middle of the night woke up with you know changing my shirt nine ten times a night sweating 104 degree fever and i actually told the universe you know i was pissed and i said i'm not ready like i'm fucking talking to you now are you listening i am not ready right now my family is not ready. They need me. This is not fucking going to happen to me. And I swear to God, the next day I woke up, I was a little healthier because I had just had enough of, you know, yes, I was on medicines. Yes, I was on oxygen. Yes, I was on a, uh, 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 fuck it. It escapes me, but, uh, where you put your finger in and it monitors your heartbeat. And, you know, right. I was living oximeter like daily, you know, and, um, I'd had enough. And I just told the universe, fuck this and fuck you if you think now is the time for me. And I swear to God, I woke up that next morning as if a gift. And I was I was up walking around like, OK, I'm going to I'm on the mend. It was the first time I felt like I was on the mend after about, I want to say, nine, ten months. Um, you know, there's something to be said when your wife drags you into a makeshift hospital and a guy in a hazmat suit comes out, takes you out of the passenger seat of the car, 
and actually says, take this one first. I was like, what? Like, that's where we're at? <laughs> no, no, that's where you're at. This is not where the fuck I am at. And I'm a fighter. I'm a fucking fighter. I mean, you can tell I've had my nose broken a couple times. I'm a fighter. And so, so like, to me, it was like, okay, this is a spiritual fight. This has nothing to do with physical health right now. This is a spiritual fight. Let's go. So, like, yeah, we could talk about spiritualism all day long. I mean, I, I th that's thank you so much for, for sharing that because this is kind of what I thought as I did research on you. That's why I started with kind of the mentality you have in, in work and the work ethic because I could see you're a fighter. That's kind of what I meant with the dog mentality as well. You're a fighter. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, good. There you go. I mean, so, like, like, well, thank you I, so I much think, for sharing that story. Yeah, no worries. I mean, I think, you know, I'm an empath as well. So, there's uh, there's something to be said with 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 finding a, a, that connection. So I hope everybody in their life finds that connection. And if you find it through organized religion, great. If you find it by going and being a hippie and banging drums in the park on Saturday, awesome. Like, but find it because it's there. Yeah. I, th I think on those words, those are be beautiful words to end on. So Des, uh, thank you again so much for taking time and sharing those stories. And and I, I just love to hear the passion and energy you have for the future and what's coming with Devil, uh, Devil Driver and everything. So thank you, man. I appreciate your time and I hope everybody picks up this record. We work very hard and it comes out May 12th. It comes out on my birthday.